Hi, everyone. Susie O here. Just want to let all of you know that the certificates of deposit at Alliant Credit Union are now at, for a six-month CD, 5%, a 12- to 17-month CD, 5.15%, and an 18- to 23-month CD, 4.90%. And for those amounts of $75,000 or more, just add on 0.5% to those rates. Go to myalliant.com and check it out. laughing because she told me, no joking around this morning, Susie. We have a lot of questions to get to. So I'm very serious. I said, okay. And then I started to start and then she starts to joke around me. Anyway, June 24th, 2021. And welcome to... Go on. Ask Susie. KT's going to ask Susie anything. And Susie's going to answer with Everything. Anyway, all right, girlfriend, you obviously so, want to get right to it. Wait, ha- don't you want to wish our nephew happy birthday tomorrow? You know, yeah, they Travis, know him, Travis. You all know Travis. Travis is, how old is Travis? Travis, how old are you going to be? I think 24. You're kidding me. Mm, I think 24. It's a shame we don't know how old he's going to be. That's all right. You're, but anyway, happy birthday. Have a great Travis. birthday, Travis. All right. So first question is from Meg. Now, the reason I want to get on with this is I have a pile of, oh my goodness, so many questions. And these were the ones I shortlisted from a bigger pile. And I want to try my best to get through them. So this one's from Meg. Hey, Susie, would you consider doing a Susie school on HSA accounts? I recently heard some people sign up for these Get Money Invested and don't touch it. Just pay for medical expenses out of pocket. After a certain age, you can use it for anything. Is that true? So it's not true. Uh-huh. Because the only way that you can take money out of a health savings account, which is what HSA stands for, and take it out not only tax-free, but use it for anything so there's no penalties if you use it for a qualified medical expense. If you don't, prior to the age of 65, there will be a 10% penalty if you take it out. After 65, if it's not a qualified medical expense, you will pay ordinary income taxes on it. So a lot of people do exactly what you say, however, is that rather than using their health savings account to pay for health expenses currently, they save it, they invest it, to use it later on. You can do that if you want. I think a Roth IRA is a far better way to go. Okay. All right. There you go. So Susie, this is from Kevin. Hi, KT and Susie. I recently rolled my old 401k into an IRA. It has about $400,000 in it. I bought some of the stocks you've recommended, including 
XLE, Lemonade, and others. By the way, all of these stocks, Susie, apparently are up. What do you mean apparently? They most certainly are. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Especially XLE. It's more than, it's almost doubled, but go on. Okay. So Kevin said, (laughs) I still have about 300K sitting in cash making 0% and I'm concerned about a market correction. Would you recommend putting that money into a VTIP until there's a buying opportunity in the stock market? So he's interested in that Vanguard. What do you say? So KT, what do you think VTIP stands for? Vanguard Short-Term Inflation Protected. That's my lady. Exchange-traded funds. All right. Here's the thing about that is that I don't think that's a bad idea. Um, I like that exchange-traded fund a lot, but you have to know inflation can go either way. So there's really no guarantee what's going to happen and how much money you're going to earn from it. I still think that you might want to take advantage of the 0.55% at Alliant Credit Union going to myalliant.com. Check it out there. But I don't think that's a bad idea what you're thinking about doing at all. All right. Next question is from Leanne. Hi, Katie and Susie. I'm a 60-year-old. She's so happy when you include her name. Every <laughs> no, no, time no, she's... they always include me, but when you make it Katie and Susie, you know I'm going to put you on my top of my list. <laughs> They're getting smart. Everybody knows the tricks for to get you to answer their question. I'm just still question. surprised after all this time you still get a kick out of it. I do. Hi, Katie and Susie. This is from Leanne. I'm a 60-year-old single mom of a third... Oh, this is the twins of 37-year-old twin sons. I'm So the reason I also like this is that the subject said mom of twin sons. And I'm a twin, Katie and Lynn. So here we go. I'm working on my must-have documents and I'm torn. How do I possibly pick one over the other one as to make decisions. Oh, that's easy. No, wait, wait, wait. I'm going to I'm going to answer this one, okay? Health-wise and finance-wise, if I'm no longer able to do it, is it possible to list them both? I trust both of them with this task. One is a little more settled than the other, and the other one is not married although he's getting married. So she goes on and on about how she loves her two twin boys. Do I have to let them know who I list on the documents? So I think the answer is you don't have to let them know until you're gone. They'll know. Lee M. Here's the thing. It's really important that, yes, you talk to your kids about this. Because when you are giving somebody that power, you're also giving them the power to possibly pull the plug to have control over your life, to do all of those things. And sometimes the kids don't have what it takes. You should not do both because both may get in an argument, may want... Can you do both? You can do both, but it is totally not advisable, right? Because maybe one of your kids is like, no, 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 don't let mommy go. Please, please, let's just see what happens. And the other says, no, we have to let mommy go. She's been on life support now for a long time. There's no chance of her coming back. And then they get in a fight about it. And there goes all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So you need to have a talk with them as to which one would like to be that person. Number one. That's good. Number two, which one is closer to where you live? 
because sometimes you need that person to be able to get to you right away. And if one lives six hours away, a plane ride, and the other one is next door to you, I'm not sure either of those is true, but you would put that into your decision as well. So sit down and have a talk with them right now, and you'll know after you've talked to them which one you should choose. Okay, good. That's why you give that's why you That's give right, Katie. That's why she answers the questions, everyone. Okay, next one is and from How Shana. come you even try? Well, because I was a twin, so I thought I'd maybe help her out. Actually, but I love that you try. I okay. Wait, so, wait, wait. Wait, Susie, I, we have so oh, many. Look, look okay. All right. Next one is from Shanna. Dear Susie, I'm 50 years old. I plan on retiring in five years. I am eligible to collect 62% of my 123,000 income when I retire. I will have 10 years left on my mortgage. I have $7,000 of credit card debt that will pay, be paid off on a 0% interest rate by January. I'm also putting aside $600 a month to pay my son's college tuition for the next two years. I have a personal loan with a balance of 15000 that will be paid off in two years. I have a traditional 457K with 70000 contributing 150 monthly and a Roth 457K I just started. Now, you ready, Susie? I'm also working on my eight-month emergency savings. Where should I start saving now? What in the world made you choose that one? Because I wouldn't know where how to answer that one. That's why you need to answer that. So listen to me, Shanna. You're 50 years old, and you plan on retiring in five years. You say you're eligible to collect 62% of your $123,000 a year income when you retire, which is $76,260 before taxes. Let's just say you have to pay tax on that, which you do, right? So you're looking at maybe $50,000, $45,000, something like that after taxes, depending on the state that you live in. You also tell me that you have 10 years left on your mortgage, which means that you retire in five years, your income is reduced, and you still have to pay that mortgage off in five years years. I don't like that you have $7,000 in credit card debt, even though you're paying it at a 0% interest rate. That tells me when you have credit card debt, that you can't afford to pay your bills now while you have $123,000 a year income. Do you understand why I'm starting to get worried here? You also say that you have a personal loan with a balance of $15,000. And really, you have very little at this age, truthfully, in your retirement accounts. So I would do two things if I were you, and please listen closely. You say that you're putting aside $600 a month to pay your son's tuition for the next two years. There is absolutely no reason in the world why your son cannot take out a federal loan while you're taking that $600 and putting it either towards your debt or putting it where? Towards your mortgage. Because there's no way for us to catch up by putting money in a four, you know, in a Roth or a 457, whatever retirement accounts you may have. There's no way to catch up to generate enough income 
to pay your mortgage. So I think what's really important is your goal has to be to have your mortgage paid off within five years to get yourself totally out of debt, to reduce your expenses, and let your son absolutely take out loans and pay for it himself. He needs to do this on his own. You cannot do this because you are forfeiting your future. I'm telling you, you are in danger here. If you're retiring in five years, you are forfeiting your future to take care of your son when he actually should be able to do this himself. There you go, Shanna. All right. Okay, next. Good, Susie. Victoria. (laughs) You didn't expect that, did you? I did not. And that was a great answer. All right. Victoria has a high KT and Susie. I listened to the podcast where Susie was talking about the Series I saving bond. I'm so surprised that so many people had no idea that they even exist. I'm like, are you kidding me? They never even heard of these before. Oh my goodness. I was wondering if a Series I savings bond might be a good place for $30,000 emergency fund to earn more interest. And is it better than the ultimate opportunity savings account? I know you have to leave it in for at least a year. So I was thinking maybe buying a little bit each year. So my entire emergency fund isn't locked up in the bond. What are your thoughts, Susie? By the way, Victoria is 31 years old. Yeah, Victoria, you could do that if you wanted to. But I don't think it's a wise thing. Because listen to me closely. It's not locked up for just a year. For one year, you cannot touch it at all. But from year one to year five, if you take it out, then you are going to lose three months of interest on it. It's not until five years that you can take it out at any denomination without any penalty whatsoever. If you wanted to, you could put a little money in there. But it's going to get very complicated for you, seriously, if you buy a little bit every you know year and this and that, which one can I take it out from? And also, as time goes on, what you really have to know is that I'm sure if interest rates go up, the ultimate opportunity savings account will also go up. The interest rate they're giving you, no guarantee on that, but I'm sure they will. So you might want to do a little in a Series I bond, but if you do some in a Series I bond, that is money that I don't want you to think about as your emergency fund. That is then a very long-term investment because why? As As inflation goes up, and it will, it could continue to go up, then your return on the Series I bond will get greater and greater. So you want to keep it in there. You don't want money in there that you really need. So you can take some of the money if you want and do that with it. But again, the max you can do right now is $10,000. So if you want to take $10,000 and do a Series I bond, okay, but I would definitely have my 8 to 12 month emergency fund in the ultimate opportunity savings account and any additional money you can do a Series I bond with. Okay, good. Yeah. So Susie, next question is from Donna. It's a very, very long question and she's got many investments, but I'm going to cut to the chase because I think what she's looking for is to, is to be unconfused, as she said. Please unconfuse me, Susie. Are you sure so, you came to the right person? Ding, ding, I ding, think ding, so. Ding, ding. I think so. <laughs> so I don't know. KT tells me all the time, what? 
What? You're confusing me. What? That's Say it you, again. That's when you give them too many instructions. But this one I think is going to be really quite simple Katie, for you. I never give people yes. too many instructions. Sometimes too much information, they can't remember it. But it's a podcast. They can go back and play it over and over again. They still don't remember it. Okay, ready? <laughs> so this is um, from Donna. She's 59 years old this summer, and she's currently working. Her husband is 67, and he's collecting Social Security since he was laid off due to COVID. So now, she said, last month I was offered free advice from Vanguard since my former employer allows this for anyone over 55. (sighs) They said I should leave the Retirement Trust 2025 as it is and place all my other money in 60% stock and 40% bonds, just like the other accounts. Remember, she has many different investments. I'm so confused as to what to do since you don't like bonds and inflation is up. Should I put all the other money with Vanguard on my own without an advisor managing as suggested into a Vanguard VTI? At age 59, I can't afford to lose what we have. I've made many poor choices out of fear. I don't want to do that again. I'm not sure when to move the money into Vanguard. Part of me is thinking I should wait till July or August, see what happens. Vanguard says I should do it now since they believe in lump sum investment versus dollar cost averaging. Of course they do. Okay, Susie. So after hearing all of that, please unconfuse Donna. All right, Donna. The most important saying I have to tell you that I think I've ever said is it's better to do nothing than something you do not understand, that you have to trust your gut more than you trust others. How many times have I said that? When you are confused about something and you're writing into Susie Orman to verify the information that a financial advisor gave you. It doesn't mean that it's bad advice, but it's not advice that sits well with you. I love Vanguard. Vanguard is an incredible company. So this isn't about Vanguard or or that. This is what it's about. You. Your money is about you. And you said something in here that was very important. You said that you can't afford to lose any money. You don't want to lose any of this money. If you don't want to lose any of it, then it absolutely doesn't belong in the stock market. It specifically doesn't belong in Vanguard VTI, the total stock market index fund that I love. If I were you at this moment in time, I would do nothing. Just sit with it. And that is also because all of you know that I have this belief that sometime around July or August, right there, we'll know what the markets are doing and where they're heading at that time. I just have a feeling, and I've had this feeling, and you all know it since April, that these markets are going to go up, they're going to go down, they're going to trend down, they're going to do this, they're going to do that. And like I've said before, there are many stocks that have trended down tremendously. And and some stocks have stayed the same. Some stocks are up. But what has that done? It has caused confusion in many people and it has caused fear in many people because they don't know. It's not a clear direction. So they don't know. So for you, my dear Donna, at this point in time, I want you to do nothing. Okay. 
Well, I hope that unconfused Donna. Did it confuse you? No. Well, then I'm sure it unconfused Donna. Great. (laughs) So this next question is from Michael. Hello, ladies. I'm happy to say after reading one of Susie's recommendations, The Richest Man in Babylon, I have adjust- I recommended that because I wrote the, the forward to that book. If you haven't read The Richest Man in Babylon, you should all go and try to get a copy, but look for the copy that has my forward in it. Most right. recent yeah, edition. Most, uh, yeah. I have adjusted my saving habits, and by the end of this year, I'll have $30,000 in liquid savings. Yeah. The most I've ever had in my life. So this, I love this. Michael said, I went from young, fabulous, and broke to finally feeling mature, secure, and confident. (laughs) That should be our next book. Mature, secure, and confident. Should be young, fabulous, and not broke. All right. (laughs) My issue has been where to save. I've moved some funds to the ultimate savings with Alliant, but I'm intrigued by the series I bond. So the question is, is the interest rate fixed when the bond is purchased or is it variable depending on inflation? I'm wondering if it's time to buy now or wait until inflation goes up more. So the interest rates are usually fixed from May to October. And But the interest rate that's fixed currently is 0%. Remember, an I-bond, which stands for inflation bond, is made up in two parts. A fixed interest rate that's currently 0%, and that stays in there forever. That's the interest rate you're going to get on your money. The inflation rate, which is currently 3.54%. And remember, it pays every six months. So it would be 1.77% until October, and then it resets. So if inflation goes up, then that yearly rate of 3.54% will absolutely increase. If inflation goes down, that also will go down. Remember, a year ago, inflation was only 0.12%. Currently, it's about 4.99%. So it can go either way. So if I were you and you wanted to put money into a series I bond, and remember, you don't have to put $10,000 in, you could put $50, $100, you can put whatever amount of money you want in. Um, That you might want to put some in now if you wanted to. But I have a feeling that if interest rates do start to go up, the Fed start to increase interest rates, then the fixed part of the I-bond could absolutely increase. I have some series I-bonds, KT, that I purchased before I ever met you. Yeah. Right? And the fixed rate is like 3 4% on it. It's really quite an amazing thing. Anyway. To get an I-bond, you go to treasurydirect.gov and you buy it online and they hold them for you and that's where your account is set up. Okay, next question is from Laura. Hi, Susie. Thanks so much for Susie School on I-bond. See, Susie, everyone loved that. Do you think I... I'm the only one that probably... (laughs) didn't really enjoy listening to that. All right. Can we just talk Wait, about this? Wait, no. So I'm previewing it. We've record. I've recorded it and I want KT to hear it. So I let KT hear it and she goes, I'm bored. I go, what? I said, I'm going back to the garden. Right. She just, she had no interest in it no at any interest. level. And then wait, I just have to say this, KT. Now we're talking to KT's twin, Lynn, who loves listening to the podcast. And she says she hasn't listened yet to Sunday's podcast. And KT says to her, don't "Don't bother. bother. 
It's boring. <laughs> I said, don't bother. And I'm like, what? Anyway, go on. All right. So Laura liked it, apparently. She said, <laughs> she said thanks so much for the Susie School on iBonds. Do you think I should buy 10000 in a lump sum now? Or is there any reason to space it out over the year? I have the cash available. If you have what the you cash think? available, I would just buy 10000 now because I don't think you're going to see interest rates go up within a year where they're going to raise the fixed part of the bond. And if it goes up, inflation goes up, then you get to participate. So if you're going to do it, why not do it now? Yep. So next one, Susie, is from Carol. It says, hi, Katie and Susie, in the four must-have documents, which I've just purchased, what is the difference between the financial power of attorney and the incapacity clause in the living revocable trust? Mm. They both allow someone else to act on my behalf in financial matters. But how are they different? Would I probably want the same person to be named in each or is there an advantage to having different people named? It depends. That's a good question. It, that's a good question. So many of you get confused about that. Why do I include the financial power of attorney in the must-have documents when there is an incapacity clause in the trust? Listen closely. The power of attorney for finances handles things like your IRA and retirement plans that can't be owned by a trust. So the person taking over your trust really can't take over things that aren't in the trust. They only have the ability to control everything that is in the trust. But outside of the trust, like your retirement accounts, it doesn't help in that situation, especially if you are still alive. Once you've died, then it all becomes a different thing because now it's part of your estate. But if you have money in an IRA, for instance, and you need to access that money, and now you're incapacitated, and you need that money, you need a financial power of attorney for that person to talk to the retirement account and also things like credit card companies or your utility companies and things like that. So items that aren't held in the trust are governed by the financial power of attorney. Everything else in the trust is governed by the trustee who takes over when you're no longer able to be the trustee. So again, remember the incapacity clause in the trust allows for you to be removed as trustee and your successor trustee to step in and take care of your assets. Should that be the same person? Probably. Because if you trust somebody with all the assets in your trust, the big money, the house, your you know, bank accounts, your stock portfolios, you should also probably trust that person with your IRAs and your credit cards and your utilities and things like that. Do we have that? Of course we do. <laughs> Don't shout. Susie, my ears. <laughs> oh. oh, this one is from, ready, Susie? Yeah. Lisa Spicciati Garcia. I love when I get to pronounce these great names. Lisa Spicciati Garcia. And the reason I really like this email more than anything is that Lisa saw you at the Apollo and loved that show. So did I. So that was a couple of years ago. And I'm happy that Lisa's still listening and writing and investing and doing all kinds of things. 
So she and her spouse are in their mid fifties. They're both employed with the remaining of 265,000 on their mortgage. So Susie, the question is, we want to refinance to reduce our mortgage rate of 4.75 for lower rates so we could pay more monthly toward our principal. And should we refinance for a lower rate and term 20 year? 20 years. So first of all, you said that you did a 30 year fixed rate mortgage in 2018. So three years ago, and it's at a really high interest rate of 4.75%, which was really high even back in 2018. So if you have a really great FICO score, you should refinance right now because it's very possible if you can afford a 15-year or a 20-year, which would absolutely reduce the amount of time that you owe on that mortgage, it's very possible you can get a 2.75% interest rate or a 3% interest rate, which would help you a lot. So absolutely, you should do that. All right, Katie. That was my last question. I'm ready for you know what. Are you looking forward to I it? There we I'm go. Happy she, to. She's starting to now like the quizzes because we had a talking to And I feel <laughs> confident because I'm learning a lot more. All right. Are you ready? I'm not afraid to fail, everybody. Oh, that's my girl. Do you see why I love this woman so much? Anyway, so are you ready? I'm ready. Go All for All right, it. but are you ready out there? Because remember, these quizzes are not just for Miss Travis. They're for everybody. Hi, Susie. I have $8,500 coming in next month from real estate commissions. Wondering the best use of this money. I have 7,000 remaining on student loans, which I have not been making payments towards during COVID, but I am aware any payments made will be directly towards the principal. Was paying $250 a month prior to COVID. I have $14,000 remaining on my car loan at 4.99%, but KT, she's paying $350 a month towards that. So long-term, what would be the best use of this money? Think about it, KT. She has $8,500. Should she put that and wipe out her student loans or put it towards her car loan? Well, I've listened to you say a number of times, and I'm not sure where we are on this. I'm sitting on the fence right now, but didn't we say that there could be a chance that some student loans or a portion of them may be forgiven? Yes. If that's the case, I would still not pay the student loan and actually pay off that car loan. I can't decide if that's right or wrong. Why? <laughs> no, you can't decide? Yeah, because th it could go either way. And I have told people the in the past- The only difference is this. Wait, there's only one yes, caveat. Yes. Student loans, if it's not forgiven, will always chase you to your grave, you said. Yeah. So, well, I think she should take a calculated risk, pay the car, get rid of that, and not pay the loans. Use the money, get rid of that car loan. Yeah. So Especially the, at that interest I hear rate. you. So the reason why I'm confused on this one seriously is because student loans are never dischargeable in bankruptcy. And it is true that I had total faith when this year started that 10000 or some amount of money would absolutely be forgiven when it came to student loans. I don't know if I still have that faith. 
I have to tell you. When would we know that? We don't know that. So I would do, however, what you suggested. And I would take the $8,500 and I would divide it in half and put half towards the student loan and half towards your car loan. And then either way, you'll win, if you know what I mean. But it's just that either way, it's going to be okay. But I just have this gut feeling, everybody, that while I had such belief that they were going to forgive student loans, that they were, it hasn't been part of any proposal. And everything that's being proposed is being shot down, KT. Nothing there. And it's such a standstill in Congress right now. It's not even like it's working. So, Diana, hedge your bets here and do 50-50. That's what I would do. There's another, there's another part to this. What? Get out there and sell more real estate because that's a pretty nice commission you just made. <laughs> that's it. So and she'll do that and continue to pay it down. Right. Right. So that's what I would do. But KT, did you get it right? Ding 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 ding. Yay! Yay! I'm so Yippee. she's getting it, everybody. She's getting it. All right. That ends another ask. Katie and Susie, anything? So until Sunday, all we want for all of you is for you to remain strong, smart, and secure. What are you going to do Sunday? This Sunday? Yeah. (laughs) Should I do something special? Are you going to do another school? I have no idea yet. I honest to God. Am I going to be on Sunday? No, I don't think so. Oh. Unless I decide you, I don't know yet. Okay, everybody, write in and vote. Do you want me on Sunday? (laughs) (laughs) All right, have a great, great week. All right, all. No, we love you. Bye-bye. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman is acting as a certified financial planner, advisor, a certified financial analyst, an economist, CPA, accountant, or lawyer. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman make any recommendations as to any specific securities or investments. All content contained in this podcast is for informational and general purposes only and does not constitute financial accounting or legal advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and financial advisors regarding your particular situation. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman accepts any responsibility for any losses which may arise from accessing or reliance on information in this podcast. And to the fullest extent permitted by law, we exclude all liability for loss, damages, direct or indirect, arising from the use of this information. The must-have documents discussed in this podcast are legal documents created by a lawyer and distributed by Hay House.